and a very warm welcome to the sixth episode of the Drown Sessions podcast. A very special episode, of course, because we have got more guests than we've ever had before. Four people in the same place at the same time. Very special indeed. And we don't have to bother too much with disconnections and such. I, I don't think you can use that excuse in person, but we'll soon find out. Um, we've got three existing guests. Connor, we can't keep you away at the moment. You are back for another episode. We podcast regular. I feel like you're coming for my job. But <laughs> your input is always valued. And if you haven't listened to an episode before, he is one of our email designer and developers and always has something informational to say on a point. Also known as Captain Email Marketing. Occasionally, yes. Only occasionally. Um, we've also got Stafford Sumner, who is the manager director of Jerome. Uh, it's been a it's been a bit of a break for you from the podcast, at least. Connor, Connor doesn't give us that space, but you have. So thank you for that. I've given you space to develop. Great to have you back, of course. And the person who kicked it all off in terms of this uh, podcasting journey from the first ever episode, we've got Nick Crawford, who is our head of strategy. So thank you for coming along as well. Uh, sorry, I've got mute. It's great to be back. Although. Although I think it was cooler the first one. It's already getting nice and warm because we rev up to this. <laughs> it is true. We, we've got four, four men tucked into a uh, into a meeting room box. This, this could get interesting. Um, but not because of that, but because of the actual topic that we've got to discuss today, which is email marketing automation. Uh, a very big topic, very interesting topic because the potential of automation, I'm sure we'd all agree, is, is pretty limitless. Um, and we're just going to give you a run through how you should be using it, why you should be using it. Um, but in the first instance, I think it's best to give some sort of a background. So I'll, I'll start with you, Nick. Would you mind giving a brief overview of what automation is and on a basic level, how you can use it? Yes, of course. So automation is the ability to create and send emails, uh, allowing the data and the platform to send that on your behalf rather than having to manually intervene as you would do for a campaign team. So whether that's a uh, post-purchase service message for your delivery is coming, whether it's potentially a abandoned basket or a welcome, so something to do with the life stage, or whether it's driving some kind of personalization. So actually you've looked at this particular page and we're now including some content around that in a send to you. So it's the ability to send at volume with an always on send, triggered, automated, and once it's set up, very low resource. So it's sort of ever, think of it as an evergreen uh, email campaign for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, and thanks for that as, a, as an overview to it. So if we're looking at the main benefits of automation, there are plenty of, of businesses out there that are using automation, some in a more complex manner than others. But if we're just looking at the main benefits here, Stafford, what would you identify? Why should businesses be looking at this? Well, I think you know, marketing automation is something that is probably the most unutilized part of, of email marketing. It's um, I think many businesses are very familiar with a kind of batch of last email marketing shifting campaigns where they control the messaging and, and the time. Whereas automation is 
it personalised experience is what we we often term in our agencies would be silent sales force because it's there offering that personalised messaging on a personalised individual trigger or event based uh, scenario. Uh, so the businesses are able to nurture their leads, their their prospects, their customers on a relatively one-to-one basis um, to reduce the impact on their perhaps on their customer service or their sales teams, whilst also maximizing that engagement outside of those traditional uh, batch and blast sends or those kind of regular sends that they may ordinarily be familiar with. Yeah, I, I think from my side, one of the one of the great things about automation is how varied it can be depending on not only the industry that the business is in, but the business itself, because there isn't necessarily a right or wrong way to do automation in terms of the actual campaigns you use. You've already identified abandoned basket. We'll actually be looking at that a little bit later on as a concept, but you've got so many different tools in your arsenal when it comes to automation. And a lot of the time, it's a case of dipping your toe in the water, seeing what works for you. Um, which is why it is applicable for so many businesses. And I couldn't agree more that it is so underutilized. Um, Connor, from your perspective, benefits of automation? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's um, sort of being able to react kind of timely to the kind of events and things that are happening throughout your business. So, you know, if we're taking a look at a web perspective, you know, goes online, signs up to your website, sign up form, you, you can capture their interest right there, right then and there. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of a prime time for, for being able to, to get their attention, their focus is immediately after they've, they've just completed an action. So you're really able to, to be really precise with, with how you kind of send these things and what timing you, you kind of set to that is really, really useful. Yeah, I mean, we, we get the question all the time, when should we be sending emails at the time of day, day of week? Uh, and it's always a very difficult question to answer, but, but like you say, particularly in the case of a website sign-up, the best time to send to you a, a recipient is when they're going to be most engaged. You aren't likely to capture someone at a more engaged moment than after they have literally just signed up. So absolutely valid point. Nick, I've stitched you up slightly by asking these two first. So if you have anything additional for benefits. Yeah. No, so I think um, carrying on from that, um, things to remember are uh, it's resource light once it's set up. So that welcome, you know, it could be a welcome journey. Uh, a lot of automation is one send, it's multiple sends, and also based on whether somebody does or doesn't do something with the first or second send. So all of that can be running um, in addition to your campaign send. So it's the ability to send more, more timely, more relevant with the same resource. Um, it's probably also worth just remembering that it needn't necessarily lead to the send at that moment in time. So automation can actually be about creating segments. So actually it's a data-led process. So um, is it a prospect? Is it a first-time user versus a multiple user? Is that person lapsing? Building those segments dynamically each day so that when you need to come to use them, either in an automated send or for a campaign element, they're there and ready for you. And it also can be about content. So actually, have I seen something on the website? Has that been recorded so that I can then incorporate that into my newsletter or to scrape some web content and use it in an automated, personalized way? So there are multiple ways that you can use automation to effectively scale up and develop the messages that you're getting out to your customers. 
Absolutely. And if we're if we're looking at this, so let's put ourselves in the in the shoes of let's say a, a marketing manager or, or somebody along those lines where they, their business does not currently use automation in any capacity or maybe a very limited capacity. It can seem like a pretty daunting thing because you can go incredibly complex with automation if you want to. So planning considerations. If you're having that original meeting or that original um, just uh, team briefing, right? How, how do you go about planning? Yeah, no, absolutely. So definitely start simple and then scale up. That's the way to, to approach it. So um, one of the best ways of looking at it is where is the quickest return? What's going to make the biggest difference first? Um, and start focusing on those and creating use cases around those. So you've got a clear idea about why you're going to do it, what the effort and the cost will be to set it up, and what return your life is get from it. Um, and if we wanted to potentially maybe look at life stage as an easy way of being able to make those decisions, certainly for any commerce related site, you would probably want to go, well, let's look at abandoned basket or abandoned browse first because we're leaving money on the table at that point. Can I then increase my revenue, increase conversion through an automated send? Welcome, because actually the second most engaged anybody with your business is when they first put their hand up and said, I'd like to hear more from you, other than your loyal customers. Clearly, they are in the market for consideration. And then the third one is perhaps lapse. So actually, what's changed? How can I try and recover and get my customers who are now no longer starting to use me to use me again before I lose them forever? And those three things, if you just start there, will get you used to working with automation, get the platform and the technologies in place. And from there, you can start to become more sophisticated and have further campaigns on down the line. Yeah, I would agree with all of that, and I would definitely point to start simple because it can be incredibly daunting if, if you don't go down that direction. I mean, staying with planning stuff, and if you've got a situation where you've like identified seven or eight different things you could do, but you know you've only got the capacity in the short term to tick off one or two of them, how do you make those decisions as to which ones you go for and which ones, at least for now, you don't? I think it's all going to depend on the business and the applications that Nick reference to reference as well. Because for commerce there, so if you've got a, an online store, there are going to be some quick wins there. And the, and the basket is a is a very easy win to the one to start with. And also most e-commerce platforms of work will have something built in uh, basket abandonment module that you can potentially deploy before you want to move up to the, the complexity. But I think also we must um, give a nod to the non-commerce customers and people who are who are using their websites for data capture. So that could be just a simple email subscriber, it could be a contact form, it could be downloading some kind of um, PDF or some kind of ebook that we did on the, the Durang website. Um, um, even hotels with wedding brochures, for example, where there's a data capture, not actually a transaction happening per se in the commerce world. Um, there's very simple ways of utilizing those autoresponders. So I think many businesses will be familiar with that automated trigger email that goes, thank you for signing up to my email, but how about sending a series of emails that go out? So you might already have some in place. You might want to add an extra couple of layers to that, maybe with a call to action to make contact with your sales team or your, your customer service team. 
Um, I know the hotel world, it, um, the wedding brochures particularly work out very well in terms of um, often they'll have wedding coordinators work perhaps standard office hours and weddings obviously are pretty possible for hotels. If they have someone downloading a brochure out of hours, say they download at 10 o'clock on a Friday night and the wedding coordinator is not back until a Monday, you may well have a bridal group who are downloading multiple wedding brochures throughout the weekend and it's really a, a race to see which wedding coordinator can get to them first to build that relationship with them. So if they were able to get a confirmation that they either requested the brochure or even a PDF version of it, and then a couple of follow-up emails to encourage them to make contact with the person at, at the hotel, you're already in that, back to that silent sales force mode where you're nurturing that relationship before you may have capacity traditionally available. So there are certain things where people might already have automation in place, but they could just layer up slightly so talking about priorities um commerce you know fantastic there's lots of opportunities there but also looking at those non-commerce clusters where there are also opportunities to use automation and that can sometimes get overlooked as a useful tool definitely yeah absolutely i mean connor from your side your specialty is of course within um designing and developing so if you've got an idea let's take a web sign up uh email as an example here in some of these instances, this is going to be the first opportunity you get to really engage with, with the, the individual, with the subscriber. From a developer side of view, you've got different tools in your armory that you could use. Why is it important to capture their attention with some of those at this time? Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> at that point in time, sort of they just signed up to, to your emails. It's a really good time to give them a great sort of introduction to your brand and who you are be that through content but also through kind of the design of your emails and, and the way that you present yourself with your branding and things like that that's a key key place for you to kind of demonstrate who you are and what your business does to to the customer sort of via you know your existing branding and your existing assets and, and, and tell your story really i think it's a key key moment there yeah I, one other thing I wanted to pick up on here is, and we've already referenced this, rather than just a one-step uh, automation where someone does something to trigger the automation, they get sent one email, you can make it much more complex than that if you, if you feel it's necessary and you, you have the skill to do so. So in terms of multiple stage journeys, um, how, how what is the benefit to doing so? Really? Why should they do that? So again, if we come back to some kind of 101s, um, make it timely, make it relevant. So actually asking the same thing over and over again, regardless of how somebody's interacted with that email, is always going to be less effective. So what you can then start to do is to create split journeys. So if you've sent our, let's do a welcome, have they um, interacted with that welcome send in some way? Uh, if so, let me give them new information. If they haven't, then let's repeat in a different proposition that same basic information. Or actually, you could um, start to create content journeys. So, um, I previously worked with a holiday company. Um, they had a um, browse abandoned place for a specific park, uh, so a specific location that you might be going to. If you then booked off that, um, you would then get your onwards for your kind of booking transactions. 
But if you haven't, they would actually then send uh, a different type of content that was about the region. So actually that specific area might not be right, but the, lo but, but the local geography might be the right place for you. So actually start to tailor that message based on a, a next best action. Um, but what you don't want to do is have to be manually finding that data, creating that send, and getting it out the door. As much as possible, you want to be able to let the logic and the data actually run that for you. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of instances with automated journeys, you can find that businesses do have a lot to say, particularly in a welcome series, they've got a lot to say. And for whatever reason, I've, I've witnessed this quite a bit, I'm, I'm sure the three of you have as well, that you'll get an email come through in the first instance where you've signed up. There's so much content they want to let you know, and it's all in that one email. And I, if you were taking, let's say, a 10-hour course, how much information are you going to retain if it's done in one 10-hour block versus four two-and-a-half-hour blocks? So, I mean, have, have you seen this stuff where you just think that people are, are using far too much content in one email rather than spreading it out? Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's probably the misguided uh, notion that people are kind of waiting to receive that email and and, and they're going to kind of read everything that comes into it. I think you know there's important stages of the automation. One's about acknowledgement, so it's one that's you know they've you know, bought something or their data has been you know, shared in some way. There's that instant message to say, yeah, we've we've got your message. Thank you very much. Great to meet you. Apologies, whatever it's been. Um, I think that's the one element, but whatever it is they've done, they've bought something, they've downloaded something. Um, if they've downloaded an ebook, it's going to take them some time to read it, whether it's a few hours or a few days. If they've bought a product, it's going to take a few days, I'm sure, to be delivered. Um, so, you know, the next piece of information might be now you've, you've, you've received your product, what, what did you think about it? Or, um, yeah, you know, this is an idea of what you could do with this food product that you've just bought. or um, now you've downloaded this ebook, you've had a chance to read it. Is there anything else we can help you with? So I think it's that it's a it's a uh, a nod to starting a, a conversation. You wouldn't just throw everything at everyone the moment they walk through your sort of shop door. Um, so uh, you know, with 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 the, the automation, it should be treating those bite-sized chunks um, and and prolonging that journey with always giving those opportunities to jump out to that automation into human interaction, which in the B2B world, um, uh, you know, that's an, an important part of that, that sales process. Yeah, and, and what it allows you is that, that link between automation and personalization. So let's say that somebody signed up to a company that offers training courses, and they've sent out that first acknowledgement, thank you, here's our most popular. Actually, you can then take the, if somebody clicked on a particular type of course, Actually, you can use that click to drive what the next follow-up message is. So it becomes really tailored and really relevant to them rather than a blanket send over multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you gain information as you go through with, with automation journeys. You, you likely won't have much information provided you're, you know, if you've got your website on form as an example, you're probably only looking at email address there, potentially a first name as well, but you really don't have a lot of information to go on. But the more you send people, the more information you gather, which means you can separate them out. 
Um, in terms of that complexity, probably you can, whether it's based on click activity, um, you know, and others as well, do you see a real need for that? Do you think that that's beneficial for, for companies to look at that form of automation? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, like you said earlier, Nick, just, just in terms of kind of information that, that you're being delivered, um, making sure that it's kind of relevant to that specific person based on kind of their previous previous activity and what you know about them. I think also it's it's a good good avenue for learning more about people as well. There's often the the, the opportunity to to ask the question, you know, uh, what kind of stuff are you interested in hearing about? Bringing in preference centres and things like that, which you may may not have in place already or you know a birthday club or something like that or give us a postcode and we'll give you more information in your local area kind of thing so it's a great opportunity to kind of get that additional kind of personalized info as well yeah absolutely and, and you've got all of that information that you want to you want to gain in order to improve the relevancy for those receiving the emails it almost goes back to the point of that's far more effective as a journey than mm -hmm. just one email because it's all the message is going to get lost you know i've seen let's take uh, as an example let's just look at, at retail with the food and drink where you've got a they, they offer a discount uh, and i know that the opinions on discounts go one way or the other but if you send a discount in that first email and that only email but you're also trying to get across the ethos of the company what's likely going to happen is the person's going to use up the discount code, not pay attention to the ethos thing. It might work in the short run in that you, you get that sale, but in the long run, you're looking to cultivate these relationships. It's not going to work because they, they haven't read the crucial information about who you are as a company, and there's no opportunity for them to invest in that. I mean, sorry, go on. Well, so I think it just goes back to Nick's point right at the beginning, you know, it's a little that planning process, which is you have to, establish why we're doing marketing and automation. It's not just it's not just a tool, or it's a tool there, we need to use it because everyone else is using it. Simply then why am I using it? Is it a is it a tactical communication to drive short-term uh short-term sales and um, because that's what we need to do or is this a building the community, building the brands, building the, the longevity. So I think depending on the why is going to depend on that message you put in there. But I think the the, the other point to to raise is that it's not a success and forget it scenario with regards to marketing automation. Um, you may have a plan, this is what I want to do now, but you should constantly review it and constantly look and see is this doing what I want it to do. So if you do start with tactical because you don't know exactly what is going to work best for your audience, you might start with discounts, for example, because you feel that's the right thing to do. You can use that data to analyze it and then make changes as, as you go along. I think you know, we always encourage our clients to regularly review their marketing automation, make sure it's still relevant, relevant for the brand, relevant for the product, relevant for the season. Um, so you can make changes as, as you go along. It isn't a kind of a, right, there you go, that's our decision, and we'll turn that on and walk away and we'll go and crack on with something else. And because it's automated, you can also run variations at the same time so you have a discounted send you can have a value based send you can have a frequently asked questions version all running concurrently over a period of time to see what actually happens so again once it's up and running that that ratio of reward and resource is uh you know is very much to the business's benefit 
Yeah, and that's a really good segue actually to the next one, which is looking at reassessment of automated journeys because you do set them up in the first instance. And one of the main benefits is definitely the fact that you can leave them running and you don't necessarily need to spend a lot of time or resource in order to maintain them. But I'm sure a lot of people listening will be asking the question, how often should I reassess? And what should I be looking for when I reassess? What's your opinion on, on those two? Um, so I think there's a couple of considerations. One is um, certainly don't set them up and forget them. Um, and we've, uh, you know, a really kind of permanent example of that is at the beginning of kind of lockdown and pandemic, you know, there are a number of well-documented cases now of triggers that just weren't relevant, you know, come to our store, we're looking forward to see that are just in the background. So, um, so I guess point number one is be, be absolutely sure that you're aware of all the automated sends, all the triggers that are actually live to be able to review at a moment should circumstances change. Secondly, I think have a clear idea about what you're expecting the performance of those sends to be, both in terms of volume and in terms of what is the conversion or success measure, and have a system to be able to quite quickly red flag them. So if volume suddenly drops on something, you can recognize it and can look into it because every now and then something will go slightly screwy. Um, or if conversion drops, then it's another kind of indicator. And then the third one is, you know, which should happen before all of your marketing is um, a planned process of optimization. So chunking them up and saying, okay, this month we're going to focus in on this set of sends. What have we learned from our Google Analytics traffic? What have we learned from our campaign sends where we're doing tests? What have we learned from our business insights? And how can we apply that to uh, this set of sends? We have a, an iterative process of improvement over time. Yeah, some really useful tips for, for those looking to optimize their automation. But from a design perspective, Connor, um, naturally, if the template changes or the brand changes, of course, you're going to have to go through an update in those situations. But is there actually need to update the look and feel of the emails even outside of that sort of thing? So chance the seasonal element of the staff to really right. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a very key key idea. You know, you don't want to be uh, pushing the wrong kind of thing at the wrong time of year. So you know, nobody wants umbrellas in the middle of uh, middle of summer, do they? So, I mean, sometimes though. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> But yeah, no, definitely. I think that there's a, a good seasonal element to it, especially for uh, hotel brands who are very kind of seasonal in their efforts. Um, so, you know, if you've got potentially kind of things coming up around Christmas, you can switch to kind of a Christmas theme template and kind of uh, make it really nice and kind of sparkly for people. Uh, and again, it just adds that little bit of extra kind of relevancy and, and, and timeliness, which is, you know, you've alluded to earlier. So I think it's definitely a, a key, key idea to kind of review the design of those. Often. Which also leads on to this point of um, just making sure that you uh, have a clear idea of all sends in the context of time. So actually, if you have one team that's doing your campaign sends, one team that's doing your automated sends, one team that's doing social, one team that's doing web, actually, if they're not joined up at some point, you lose that marketing integration. So you may well have a campaign send that's offering 25%. Your trigger send is offering 5%, and actually, those are received within two or three days of each other if you haven't put the logic in place, if you haven't cross referenced them. Likewise, there might be a very different social method. So, 
No marketing happens in isolation. We kind of know that, but actually it needs to be a deliberate plan of integration within the business or the support that's around that from your agencies to ensure that you have that complete view as to what's going out in a similar time period. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think I don't want to speak on behalf of all four of us, but I think we all agree that automation is a very effective tool that is generally underutilized. However, we'd be remiss for not at least exploring some potential limitations of automation and perhaps most importantly, how you can get around it, how you can best tackle it. So if we're looking at potential limitations of automation, is there anything that you would identify, Stafford? Well, I think it's limitations I think we've uh, touched on it, but is is actually um, having sight of what we're doing with regards to um, uh, automations uh, they are easily forgotten. So, for example, we've seen um, a, market, a marketing manager leave a business, uh, there'd be a gap, and a new marketing manager come in, and a new marketing manager not even knowing that there is an automation setup, sometimes not even knowing there's an ESP in, in place and in their own ESP, not realizing that there's already marketing automation going on elsewhere. Um, we've also seen as Nick mentioned with COVID and sort of particularly hotels, people getting, you know, we really call to welcome you to the hotel tomorrow because people have forgotten to uh, turn off the marketing options, the marketing teams have been furloughed. So there wasn't a, there wasn't a higher view of what the, the marketers were doing once the marketing team had been, been furloughed. So I think there is a limitation there in, in terms of um, because it's the silence, it often goes unseen and can be forgotten. So I think there is a, a there needs to be an, an awareness there, which are, which we which we've touched upon, which I think is is very important. And I think also automation is a nod towards a personalised contact, but it isn't a personalised contact. So it sits between the fairly generic sends that go out scheduled sends, which all, all have their place. So it, it doesn't replace those because they're very much targeted based on the business needs. Um, it doesn't replace the face-to-face -face or, or phone calls, but it's it's a bridge between them. And I think that's often something that can be uh, mis misconstrued with regards to their purpose. Because actually, if I do marketing automation, then I'm having to talk to my customers. Or if I do marketing automation, I can stop doing scheduled campaigns. So when it's a, a limitation, it's probably not the right word, it's only a consideration. Yeah, and I guess in that sense, it, it, it wouldn't be a limitation of automation as such. It would almost be a limitation of the usage of automation, isn't it? It's, um, it's how you utilize it rather than the actual automation itself. Um, you know, there's, I, I think a lot of it, and again, maybe limitation isn't the best, were to use here, but anything around that will likely come back to maintenance, at least from, from my side, potentially if you look at reporting. So reporting on automated journeys is generally better now than it was previously, but I think it is perhaps more difficult to pick up on patterns when it comes to automated sense. So when you do regular campaigns, you'll get your reports through all the key metrics, very easy to identify what's gone well, hasn't gone well. Whereas if you're looking at automated sellers, let's just say an automated seller has been going for a year and you see click-through rate and you think, yeah, that's absolutely fine. That might not actually take into account the fact that for the first six months of that, the click-through rate was very high, but actually it's fallen over time. 
when you get that overview of, of what that click through rate is and you don't necessarily break it down into is that figure going up or down over time you might actually miss a trick in terms of how can how can we improve this sort of a sense limitations or other words nick yeah so i think possibly one of the areas to look at for limitations or blockers is actually just getting started you know that can seem really daunting to uh, to yeah. a lot of visitors. So the data and marketing association from the DMA do a, an annual marketers survey, and one of the questions they specifically ask is, "What blockers do you does your business have to automation?" And the top three answers that come from that are a lack of resource, a lack of strategy, and a lack of content. And I think actually all of those probably are linked together because if you don't really know how to start or what you're trying or how to achieve it, it will seem like hard work and therefore the resources required for that is, uh, you know, seems much more than actually might be needed if you knew what you were doing and how to get started. And again, okay, well, even if I said, oh, what am I going to say? comes back to that strategy into content. So your segmentation, your positioning uh, and your targeting. So I think, We've kind of spoke about ways you might get started in terms of thinking about something you might first start. And then I think there's a sense of actually how easy or difficult is this to get going. Um, and there's a mixture here, as there always is, between actually, you know, have you got somebody who's already done this, some experience of it, or will your agencies help you having done it for multiple clients? And actually, what technology you've got, which will support and more and more platforms now have automation and segmentation and personalization baked into their solution and actually pretty much um, off the shelf. And actually some of those are now starting to get sector specific for their commerce related or their business to business focus, et cetera. So there's a, a three-way process between as a business, what's my user case? Who do I need to talk to? What's the impact that's gonna have? What's the objective? There's a process and a resource do I know what I need to do? And have I got the in-house experience to do that? And there's the technology in terms of actually, have I got the platforms and the ability to do that? And those three things brought together will get you up and running. Yeah. Um, if we're looking at a few sort of specific uh, examples of automation, I think one of the most popular out there is abandoned basket or abandoned car, as it's sometimes known. Uh, very popular within the retail sector. So, uh, Connor, if you wouldn't mind, firstly, very briefly, what is a banner basket? And, and secondly, how do you do it versus how don't you do it? <laughs> so, um, yeah, a banner basket is, is uh, kind of does what it says on the tin. It kind of tracks uh, add to cart events throughout the website um, and then sort of uh, using some kind of algorithms and things like that essentially figures out when someone's have left the basket and they've added a couple of products to the website and they've gone off elsewhere um, and using kind of data that's already been gathered you can identify when that happens and then trigger out an email to, to basically remind the person to say hey you've left these things in your basket there's, there's you know here's a potential discount code or something like that to, to help move you along and, and, and turn you into a, a customer then so it's 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 really powerful in terms of sort of an automation program um, in terms of sort of how not to do it, I think biggest consideration is, is timing. Um, you know, if you're selling sort of small trinkets and things like that, maybe, you know, an effective time is an hour or two um, for someone to, to, to kind of come back and take another look. But if something, you know, potentially 
So with larger products, you know, a bit more time to ruminate and think on that. You're not going to want something after, you know, an hour or two, you know, want it maybe in a couple of days after you've had time to, to think about the other options that you're considering. So I think that's the biggest, biggest consideration for me. I think it's timing is uh, on sort of the dynamics of emails. Would you like some stats? I would love some stats. We love stats. So, and yeah, Google and Basket, you're going to find a number of kind of studies on this, but there is a general consensus that about 70% of all inquiries lead to an abandon rather than to a purchase. So that's an awful loss, mm. even for a small business or um, business left on the table that you could be retargeting and trying to convert. Because the basket abandoned is very timely, often contains the products that have already been uh, looked at, so it's immediately irrelevant to that individual relative to a campaign or a newsletter. Um, open rates tend to be 40 to 50 percent, which if you compare that to a newsletter of two to 10 percent, depending on the sector in your business, is uh, it shows the power of this kind of uh, send. And in terms of then conversion relative to a newsletter, can be you know somewhere up to two thousand percent more conversion than your standard newsletter because of the relevance and the immediacy that you're kind of offering. So again, from a business saying, is this going to be worthwhile? Have a look at your Google Analytics, see what the volume of basket is that's being left. Based on that, and based on you know taking into account you know how many people are likely to send an email to. What's my open and click likely to be? Actually, what revenue based on average order value will I get versus the cost of setting it up? And I will be amazed if you don't actually see an immediate return on investment business case for getting started. And a lot of platforms out there are making it increasingly easy to Quite set this up. Yeah. So, you know, it, I think it's a no brainer really across the board on this. I mean, if, if, if we're looking at abandoned basket, one of the most popular questions is, should you include discount code in that email to get people back in? Stafford, do you think that's necessary? Because I'm sure in some instances, all people need is a nudge, in which case any discount you offer is lost money. Yeah, I think the, the trouble with that, I think it's a very dangerous game to play. Uh, I'm sure it works well for some people, but the dangerous game to play is people get used to it. They know, and I, you know, I know at those levels, I'm sure we all do, people go, I know if I go to this company, if I put what I want in the basket and then I walk away, I know two hours later, I'll get an email off me 10 cents off. Well, Barclays Bank Digital Angels, I think they were called, which is a campaign from a couple of years ago. One of their things to do for uh, digital support was deliberately leave something in your basket to get the discount. So, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's out there. It's out there. So it, it might be used as a as a tactic, but you factor that kind of necessary discounting into your price in the first place. So, you know, you're not necessarily losing out. I think it's a little dangerous myself, but it might be you can have a multi-part basket abandoned where you have, hey, you've left something in there, we've saved your basket for 24 hours, anything you need to come back to us, uh, we'd love to see you. Yeah, maybe if they still don't purchase and it's another 24 hours off that you might want to offer them some kind of incentive. And it doesn't always have to be a discount. I mean, we always must remember that as well. You don't always have to offer a 10% discount. You know, it's a fairly kind of simpler um, mechanism that you could do a value add, you know, something fun like I was I bought something recently and you know, free free pack of Haribo with with, with every purchase, you know. So it could be something like that, you know. 
very easily bored. Very, very easily bored. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a simple man with simple needs. Um, but, you know, so it doesn't always have to be a discount, but it, it will depend on, on, on the business. Of course, we're very much about commerce here. So um, that discounting offer could also change depending on where you are in your budget for the month and where you are with regards to your targets. If you pick your targets and you pick, pick your, your budget, you may be less inclined to offer a discount. But if you've got a little bit of work to do, you think, well, actually, a 10% discount versus piling in um, an additional X pounds on my PPC budget for the month, the, the calculation might be worthwhile to change, and that might be within the basket of annual you know, you know, code in there. So, without wishing to sound like I'm, I'm sitting on the fence, it really does. Yeah, there are there are different tools within the toolkit to use. And I think um, this comes back to the do something, start simple, and then develop it. So actually, if that gets you up and running for the first couple of months, then that's fine. And then it becomes much easier to say, okay, actually, we'll build some logic in that says. If this is a prospect, the first time customer will offer a discount. If this is a multi-use customer or, we've, or they've bought in the last 30 days, depending on the business or the last six months, we won't offer a discount. We'll switch you to a service offering. How can I help you? Here's our FAQs, here's our size guide, here's our download of most uh, often used courses, whatever your business is. So again, you can start with one thing, and then start to layer up over time to make it more sophisticated to protect your trading income or to make the, the next best action based on what you're learning as you go on. And one other example of an automated send or automated journey that I want to bring up very popular is pre and post date emails. This would be very popular for, for hotels. Um, so generally based on the logic where if your date of arrival is let's say three days in the future, you will be sent this pre-state email. And if your date of departure was three days in the past, you will receive the post-state email. So if we're looking at considerations for those two sends, what, what would you what would you say, Nick? Yeah, so I think um, one, is it worth it? Because a lot of businesses say, well, I've already got the booking. So why am I putting extra effort into this? So there's a couple of considerations. In terms of the pre-state, we use a little psychology for a while. It's kind of recognizing research that if you have to look forward to something, you have to wait for something, when you actually get to it, you enjoy it that much more. So actually just building that anticipation in the pre-state, here's what's going on in the area, here's how we're going to look after you, meet our chef, as well as the obvious cross and upsell that's available from that enhances that experience full stop. So we're then looking at a longer term nurture loyalty uh benefit and very much in that post day one it's an opportunity to say thank you and very you know two little businesses two few businesses actually say thank you for the business they're just moving on to buy again from me use me again so you can say thank you you can gain feedback so again email is great for building these direct relationships and we have to kind of get direct feedback from your guests and then you're continuing those conversations so actually is you know if you're thinking of coming again, here's some events, here's some things to think about. So you're not just ending that relationship. It's not a first day and you never see them again. Actually, it's the first day, it's gone really well. Actually, what's the next day? And you're you're wooing that customer into that kind of next day. Absolutely. I've I've always seen it that a post-day email is not a post-day email, it's the first email of their next purpose. 
I think that's the best way to look at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Connor, from from your side, pre and post day, we've seen plenty of both. Um, what are you looking for in a good pre and post day? Um, I think in a good pre-state email, it's it's got to be quite um, sort of friendly and, and, and customer customer servicey in tone. You know, you, you mentioned the upsell benefits, so you know, come come book us a, a table in our restaurant or here's our spa offering. But I think also it should include um, you know a bit about the hotel, a bit about the area around things to do whilst you're in the area, or um, you know what the weather might be like over those couple of days if, if you've got the ability to do that with personalised images. I think that as, as kind of a customer kind of outreach opportunity, I think is really, really great. Um, in terms of the post-day email, the big one that we see a lot of is um, OTA bookings, so bookings through booking.com or Expedia versus direct bookings. You know, hotels are, uh, are always keen to get direct bookings in um, because it gives them a bit more margin, a bit more revenue to, to, to play with there. So on the post-date email, if you're able to link that up with your, your management software, you're able to get that data through, you can then include kind of enticing things like, oh, you know, if you book direct next time you stay, um, you know, we'll throw a bottle of champagne in your room or, or some chocolate strawberries or something nice like that, just to, to give that extra incentive for them to come back directly to you next time. So, you know, I think that's a key, a key message in that area, especially for hotels. And again, because you're not using the resource to create this every single time, mm. you can make it more personal, more sophisticated over time. So if you know that you've got a business traveler versus a leisure traveler, they will have very different wants. So actually, from a business traveler, it's about how comfortable is the bed, how good is the parking, uh, what's your Wi-Fi like. From a leisure customer, it's more about what's going on in the area, um, you know, spa dream and other bits and pieces. So actually, you can you've got your pre-stay in place, but a content variation based on the data driving that. And again, once it's set up, that just doesn't belong. It's not resource heavy at that point, but it really makes a difference to the reader and will separate you from other competitors. And uh, lastly, from from this session, uh, it's kind of two segments sort of rolled into one really um, looking at the future of automation uh, one thing that i think is good to raise at this point is for us the upcoming ios 15 update by the time we're listening to this it might well be live um, we do it we've done a, a blog post on this we'll leave the link in the description so you're able to to read that in more depth uh, everything you need to know will be there but on a, on a bit more of a brief note um, anyone using an Apple device in order to, to open their emails, we are going to lose open rate data, or at least accurate open rate data for those people. Uh, and the way that links into automation is that you can have automated journeys that rely on, has the recipient opened the previous email? That isn't going to work from that point onwards for those people. We believe that will be roughly 50% of most databases. So, I mean, Stafford, we're looking already at clicks and conversions as more of, a, of an accurate way to evaluate email marketing performance. Do you think that applies as well to these automated journeys that are currently looking at opens? Yeah, I, don't, I think you know there is obviously lots of talk about iOS 15. There is quite a lot of buzz in the industry at the moment about how it's going to change. But I'm perhaps coming from the old school of you know vanity metrics, you know, aren't really the metrics you should be focusing on. So open rates, you know, as I'm sure everyone knows here, it is a, is a vanity metric. It gives you the indication of 
who's over in Lewisham with a true test of how successful your email campaigns are, being that scheduled campaigns or, or automation is A, about the engagements of the clicks, but more importantly, the conversion, you know, what's actually happened as a result of that, that, that event. So um, big picture, I think there's quite a lot of noise about iOS thing that I'm not really worried about. Um, I think the, 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 the piece where open rates do become important um, is where you're looking at how engaged the database is in terms of how active the database is. Um, so there might be people who are opening your emails but don't click on them. Um, you may, when we do have visibility at, at the moment, we may say that anyone that's opened a single email in the last 12 months, we're going to call them from the, the database. We're not necessarily going to have that visibility anymore. But I think in terms of, of measuring success rates, we really need to be looking at the, the conversions and, and engagements, regardless of which um, methodology we're using to send out those emails. So if you have got segments in place, now is the time to do a complete audit and make sure that you're not using open as part of that data logic if you'll need to use something else effectively. Do you, do you believe this is somewhat of a blessing in disguise in that it might actually lead people to a place they should be going anyway? Yeah, I think it's really positive. Um, it feels very much like the GDPR conversations with an awful lot of buzz, an awful lot of uncertainty, but something to be promoted because it forces businesses to look at what's actually making a difference. Are you actually engaging with my content? Are you actually using me in some way? Not have you glanced at something that's hit your inbox? So yes, open always a measure of view, but not something to take action on. So I think it will refocus a lot of businesses and, and in a very positive way. And Connor, from your side, um, looking at sort of open rate as a uh, determining factor at the moment, how that might be adjusted with iOS, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, like you say, Nick, it is, it is kind of a good thing. I think it's, it's one of those things that we just kind of need to keep in mind. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of not necessarily used open rate as kind of the key metric at Durang for, for, for a long time. Um, so I think it's, it's, yeah, it's just something to kind of keep in, in, in consideration. That's great. Um, so, you know, I had to give you the last word on this, um, obviously to keep him happy. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll round things off there. Thank you very much, all three of you, for joining. A, a really insightful discussion, some great points raised, uh, and hopefully a lot for the listeners and viewers to go away with to adapt their own automation programs. As I said, we'll leave the iOS link in the description as well. We'll also link towards our automation ebook as well. There's some some great uh, insights on there. I'm sure a lot of which will have already been covered today, but for extra reading, you get brownie points for that if you go towards that link. Um, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sure you'll be back for the next episode later, um, <laughs> uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, but until then, stay safe.